Nice one. Thanks, mate. Hello. <clears throat> Hello, new day. You all right? Good. Good. Well, it's genuinely uh, my privilege and pleasure to be with you over these four mornings. We're going to we're going to go into some pretty deep stuff. I hope you're ready to engage totally, your mind, everything about you, even if you had a good night or a bad night. We're going to go into some stuff over these four days. I do genuinely believe that for many of you, you're going to learn and understand more about yourself throughout these four mornings than you ever, than you ever would have done before. Um, I don't say that lightly. I don't just say that to just try and keep you in the tent. I say that because I believe it and with all of my heart. Um, we have, I've called this series Virtual Humanity. It's what we're going to be looking at over these four days because we live in a fascinating moment of history. You may not realize it. Uh, You'll be younger than me. This is all you've ever known. But there are things going on in reality today that when I was a kid, and that wasn't too long ago. Let's say I was a kid about, about, about 40 years ago, 35 years ago. There were things that were going on on TV then that were science fiction, genuine science fiction, that are now science fact. So in 30 years, 35 years, things have moved from science fiction to science fact. So there's things you're seeing on television now that are way out there, that you're thinking, oh man, that's crazy, that in 30 to 40 years' time could be reality. The reality of artificial intelligence, um, it raises all kinds of questions about what the future is going to look like. Technological advances. There was a program when I was young called The Bionic Man, and it was super exciting because it was so out there. Whereas now, bionic technology is, is a reality, and uh, you can go online and you can learn about uh, prosthetic limbs that potentially are able to grow with you, and you're able to sense things through. This stuff was completely out there and, and unimaginable just a few decades ago. So what am I getting at here? Here's what I'm getting at. Over the next few decades, I think the world we are living in will begin to raise the very question of, what does it mean to be human? What does it actually mean? At what point? At what point is... A human, a human, and how does it work? And how are you going to figure that out? How are we going to work that out? Your generation will be faced with choices that other generations have never known. You'll be faced with choices about right and wrong, ethics and morals, because of scientific advance that no other generation has ever known. And I want to try and help equip you for these things, equip you for your future over these mornings, as well as equip you for the present, because unless you know deeply and unless you know clearly what you are, what we are, unless you really, really know that in a clear and powerful way, then what people tend to do is just take the easiest option or make choices that are pragmatic, but they can lead to places you think, how did we get here? I don't want to be here and I don't know the way back. So my aim today is to help to bring clarity over these four mornings. You see, the human race determines a whole load of things about this planet. The human race determines the state of the planet. The human race determines the future of many endangered species of animals. The human race determines the quality of one another's life. Who's ever lived next door to a bad neighbor? Yeah, a lot of hands going up. That human being or those human beings had a negative impact on your life. You see, there's something about the place of humans in creation that is completely unique. And the, the, the potential consequences and implications for what a human can do are extraordinary. God himself acknowledges that in the Bible. He says things like, nothing will be impossible for them. That's the very words of God from Scripture. So we're, we're in a place where we, this is really sober stuff that we need to dig into and understand together because there is a lot 
at stake. A whole lot at stake. Scripture, the Bible, gives us a revelation of what people are. Let me explain what a revelation is. A revelation is different from an opinion. It's different from a suggestion. There's a lot of opinions out there and a lot of suggestions. It's different from a theory, an idea, a working scientific hypothesis. It's different from that. A revelation, the idea with a revelation is that something that is ultimately true and timeless and utterly true is revealed. The curtain is drawn back and we see something that is true across all time and across all space and across all cultures and across all generations. The scripture is a book full of revelation. It is in and of itself a revelation. And one of the things that it shows us is what people are. It gives us this, the curtain is pulled back and it says, this is what you are. This is who you are. It's not a suggestion. It's not an opinion. It's truth. It doesn't need to be added to or taken away from. It is in itself complete. It is entire. And it is sufficient for us in terms of living life and living life well. And as we talk about what the Bible says, what the Bible reveals about humanity, my hunch is that your hearts are going to start beating a little bit faster. And that what I'm saying will resonate in a very deep way with you. Because there's something about the truth of Scripture that gets right beyond all the surface level, right to the heart. And there's something about the way the Bible talks about humanity that manages to bring together the beauty and the tragedy of humanity. It manages to make sense of our life and our experience in a way that no other teaching comes close to. It's what a revelation does. You see it and you get it and you say, ah, this is, this is true. This is something that is very, very difficult to argue with. The Bible talks about the ancient path. Or, or, or the good way that leads to rest for your soul. And I'm trusting that as I unpack this over these mornings, and as we journey together, and as we track together on this idea of humanity, that we will, we will, we will discover, as we cut away the overgrowth, we will discover the ancient path, the good way that leads to rest for our soul. You see, I'm going to talk essentially about the four conditions of humanity. It's a, I didn't know what other word to use. The four stages, that didn't quite work. The four states... Here's what I'm getting at. It roughly follows historically, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. But each morning I'm going to look at one state of humanity that the Bible describes. The Bible speaks about humanity in four conditions or in four states. And we're going to just go through one each morning to give you the grand sweep so you understand the full revelation from God's book on what humanity is. These are days to step back and think. These are days where you've been removed from the everyday life. You've been removed from the, the, the normal routine. So you can step back and you can say, I want to think about this stuff. I want to actually have some time to reflect. I want to ponder these things. I want to talk about these things. Now, you may or may not know this, but you need to know this now. You are at a unique age. You realize it as you get older and older. You see, people are tempted at your age often to think, oh, well, when I get there, then I'll be ready. Or, you know, when I, when I get there, when I get to the magic sweet spot. Let me tell you the reality, folks. You're too young, you're too young, and then you're too old. There is no sweet spot. And you are at such a key moment in your life where you are forming what you really think about life. What, what, what revelation are you going to live out of? Or what opinion are you going to live out of? And it will determine the very course of your life. So it's massive. It's absolutely huge that you have this chance to step back and engage and that we look. And at every state of humanity I look at, I'm going to ask three questions. I'm going to ask, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of humanity in this state, in this condition? Then I'm going to ask, what are the pleasures? What are the pleasures or the privileges? And I'm going to ask, where's the pain? Where's the problem? In all three stages, that's what we're going to do 
today. I'm going to start on stage one or state one or condition one, which I have called the age of innocence. The age of innocence. And if as I'm talking, you feel there's something in it that goes, this feels familiar. It may just feel like a distant dream. Or it may just feel like something you kind of, a long lost something, something that you had once but you don't know how you lost it. Or it may feel like that. These, the, these feelings can be evoked when we, when we hear about the age of innocence. Something in us aches. Something in us goes, oh, what's going on there is, is, that, is that we carry in a, in a mysterious kind of way. We carry the history of humanity within our very soul. We, we didn't just appear. We came from other humans who came from others and so in a kind of mysterious way that I can't describe fully but we carry the history of humanity within us and when we hear about our history in a true way in a way that is revelation and not just opinion something deeper than simply reason although it is reasonable but something much deeper than that says ah yes something something in you goes this yes there's there's something here don't despise that don't dismiss that that is meaningful that counts for something Let's go way back to the beginning. Let's go to the dawn of creation together. Before there was sin, before there was death. We're going to read from the book of Genesis. It's going to come up on the screen. We can read it together. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 is where we're going to begin. And then we're going to read various other verses from chapter 2. It doesn't seem to have come up on the screen, which means... Yes, there it is. Thank you. Brilliant. Here we go. Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Woo! There's enough in there for a whole morning. There's enough in there for a whole morning. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. This isn't opinion. This is revelation. After our likeness. And let them have dominion. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Next slide, please. Do you know what? I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to read it from my notes. Is that okay? Because we've got a slight technical thing going on here. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then we go into chapter 2. Now chapter 2 is zones in. Chapter 1 gives us the big picture of creation. Chapter 2 zones in and gives us a detail a bit more of how this happened. We're going to pick that up in verse 7 of chapter 2. It says this, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Move on to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. 
verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they'll become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. The age of innocence. Mankind made in the image of God. The questions I'm going to ask, as I've said, what's the purpose? What's the pleasures, the privileges? What's the pain? What's the problem? What is the purpose? You need to hear this. The purpose, the first thing I want to say is this. The purpose is beyond themselves. The purpose is beyond simply themselves. So many people are trapped in the vortex of self. It's like they're trapped in a whirlpool of self where they're going round and round and round looking to themselves to fulfill themselves, doing all they can to fulfill themselves with themselves and finding themselves ever increasingly unfulfilled, dissatisfied and, and, and clueless as to what to do next. That's because your purpose is beyond yourself. So many are trapped in self whether it's self-esteem or self-harm or selfie, Self everywhere. I'm, 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 I'm amazed at how many people, when, I, when I'm a bit nosy, anyone here a bit nosy? I mean, people looking at their phones, sometimes they have, have a quick glance over. Just a quick glance, nothing too bad, but just a quick glance on the tube or on the train you know, or on the bus. And I, I'm, I'm amazed how many times I, I'm looking at their phone and I'm thinking, why are they putting that face when they're looking at their phone? Well, you know the face, don't you? I can't do it, I'm too old to do it. The lips. No, the lips face. I can't do it. My, my kids are in the tent. They'll be embarrassed if I even tried to do it, right? And you think, what are they doing? What are they reading? They're not reading anything. They're looking at me. No, not me. Like, you know, me. They're looking at self. Looking at themselves. And they're doing the lip thing. And then again, snap, snap, snap. And then looking at different things. Oh. And I think, oh, golly. Wow. And it's constant. It's constant. This thing of self. No, it's not wrong to take a selfie. Don't hear. But there's this. It's constant. It's almost obsessive. There's a slavery to self. And you know, you can even dress it up in Christian clothing. You can even put Christian clothes on it. Pretend it's spiritual. My calling. My purpose. My spiritual gifts. Jesus loves me. <laughs> Jesus loves me. Sounds spiritual, but the emphasis is on the me. And you know what? The whole time, the Lord is looking on and he's like, I made you for more than that. I made you for so much more than that. And the reality is this, is that you are not your purpose. You're not enough. You are too small to fill your soul. Your soul can never be satisfied on you. It will not work. And I want to rescue you from it. I was a slave to this, even before phones and selfies. I remember I was in this thing where, I mean, it's embarrassing really, but I'll just be honest with you. I remember age 15, 16, and being aware of it, every shop window I walked past, every car, I walked past that had a window, even if the glass was a bit warped. Guess, guess what I would be doing? Looking at me. And there was a horrible, horrible slavery. And to be honest, I didn't know what to do. But I could see what it was. I was obsessed with myself. No matter how, and, and it, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. No matter how impressive you become, whether it's physically, no matter what you do with your abs, or your boobs, or your bum, or your pecs. I want to I just be, say to you, I want to save you. I want to save you from 
the fruitless task of building your life around that. It won't do it. It won't cut it. It will take you somewhere you don't want to be. Because it's just fixated on self. I'm not saying don't go to the gym. I'm just talking about purpose. Ultimate purpose. It's not you. No matter how many letters you get after your name. No matter how how much respect you get from your peers. How many likes you get, as we heard last night. It won't satisfy. Self is a beast. Self is a beast that will more, more, more. That never brings life. So what then? What is the purpose? If it's not self, what is it? Here's a few things that it is. Number one, to rule. Your purpose under God is to rule over creation. Not to be ruled. Not to be ruled by fears, phobias, uh, anxieties, lusts, dark desires, anger. Your destiny is not to be ruled by those things. You are made in the image of God to rule on his behalf over creation. That is your purpose. It's extraordinary. Not to be enslaved to these things. You can't stop and you don't know how to. And this, you know, that's not your destiny. It's not what you're made for. It's an extraordinary thing that you are made for. To rule and care for and nurture God's creation. Whether that's other people, the animal kingdom, the planet itself. To take care, to nurture, to, to rule on his behalf. It's an extraordinary privilege. That's what people are made for. That's your purpose. You're also made to be fruitful and multiply. You see, so often people say, look, why doesn't, why doesn't God show himself? You know, do you know God's plan in terms of showing himself to creation was to make people in his image and for them to multiply and fill the earth so that the whole of creation could see that there is a God. And how would they see that there is a God? By, by the fact that it was filled with people who were actually in relationship with him and full of his image and they would see God through them. You and I are the answer. To God's original plan to making himself known in creation. Making people in his image and getting them to fill the planet. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be signposts to God across the whole of creation. Here's another one. Your purpose is to carry the reality of heaven and earth in yourself. That heaven and earth meets in human beings. That human beings are those who are made of earth, but they carry the stamp of God. And they're able, and this, you know, this is why, this is why both our physical is good and our spiritual hunger and longing is good because they're from God. He has made us that way. This is why we see so much spiritual longing around, so much hunger. People, people in our country, many of them have thrown out Christianity, but there's this spiritual ache there still. So now people are getting into all kinds of ideas and things to, to try to taste spiritual reality. And you see things like yoga and all these other things multiplying out in a quest for spiritual experience, spiritual reality. Let me tell you, let me tell you now, you were not made for those counterfeit spiritualities. You were made to know him. You were made to know God who is spirit. You were made to know the eternal one, the infinite one, the only one who can satisfy your soul. That is your purpose. This is who you are. This is what you were made for. When people say, what's the meaning of life? The meaning of life is a who. It's not a what. It's him. Which takes us on to the next thing, which is the pleasures. Where, where are the pleasures and the privileges in this state of humanity? I'll tell you what, the three, and they're very straightforward. Number one, God himself. God himself. The Bible says at your right hand, O oh God, are pleasures forevermore. The Bible says in your presence is fullness of joy. That's the thing we long for. You know, you can hear a joke and laugh for five seconds, and it can be a moment of light relief, and then, but that's different from joy. Joy is that thing that abides where it's like, I've heard it described like this. Joy 
is peace dancing. And peace is joy resting. It's that just sense of it is well. It is well and I'm going to celebrate about it. But it is well in the deepest level. You know, that is found in his presence. This is what we were made for. Also, we were made for one another. I'll pick up on this a little bit more towards the end. But we were made for one another. You see, it says here that that the man and the woman were together and they were naked and they were unashamed. And there was no competitiveness or rivalry between the man and the woman. There was no boys are better than girls. Girls are better than boys. There was no oppression, domination. There was this wonderful, beautiful harmony, this, this appreciation and celebration of one another. God loves male and God loves female. and God loves male and female coming together. And yes, it's, I guess you could say that it, it comes... To male and female come together at its most kind of pronounced in marriage, but it's much wider than that. In brotherly and sisterly relationships, in fatherly and daughterly and motherly, and so, in these relationships, we see the wonder, the beauty of God's design of male and female. So, so different and yet so the same. So the same and yet so different. This is part of our. This is part of our pleasure. One another. To learn to enjoy one another and appreciate one another. It's the purpose of God. It's the, it's the pleasures of God in this first state of humanity. This is, this is for you. Adam, I, I, Eve, I give you to one another. Stunning. Stunning. And then here's also a really important one. This one's massive. Creation was theirs to enjoy. You see, God says to them, you've got to notice this, because I've heard people say things like, oh, I'll become a Christian when, I, when I'm close to death. Why, why, why do you want to become a Christian when you're close to death? Well, because I want to enjoy my life now. Hold on a sec, say that again. I'm going to become a Christian, I'm going to wait till I'm old, then become a Christian, just before I die. Why? Well, because I want to give forgiveness to stuff, but I also want to enjoy my life. Okay, let's just understand that logic. So what are you saying? You're saying that God basically wants to ruin your life, yeah. It's a, very common, it's a very, very common belief. And it's why people won't trust him. People won't trust him because at what if he turns out to be mean? What if he turns out to be restrictive? What if his aim is really to just make my life hard? And all that sort of thing. It says here that God created this most beautiful garden. And he says, eat from whatever tree you like. There's just one. Not that one because it will kill you. But other than that, go for it. And so often people focus and emphasize on, oh, why couldn't they eat that one? Hold on a minute. What does the story say? The story says, God says, go for it. Enjoy any tree that you like. And what we need to understand is this is that God's most natural posture, his most natural position is that he's permissive. Where things will cause death and destruction, he gets restrictive. But his natural position is one of permissiveness. He loves to say yes. He loves to bless us with bountiful plenty. He loves that. This is the heart of God. This is the nature of God. Jesus taught it. He's teaching a bunch of disciples and he says, you lot, you're evil, but you know how to give good gifts to your children. But you're you're sinners, you're corrupt. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? You see, there's something in the heart of God that loves to give. Because when we come to him for things, he's like, great, you know that I'm generous. And so we are to enjoy creation because he gives it to us to enjoy. We're not to become its slaves. We're not to be, it's not to become our master, created things, but it's there for our enjoyment. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of God. So you see your purpose, to rule, to know him. Pleasures, God himself, his presence, the reality of his presence. So, so important, the reality of God's presence. Some people say, oh, I don't like, like God's stuff's boring. I don't like the God stuff. I'm, I'm coming to New Day, I want to do the football. And, but the God stuff, I find it boring. Let's just talk about that for just a second, because it's really important. 
I know not everyone likes cream cakes, I know, but can we just pretend for a moment, for the sake of this illustration, that we all do? Is that okay? You with me? All right, three of you are. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate your support. Um, I feel pretty alone up here at times, but just thanks for your support. Um, imagine, imagine, I said, imagine I brought a cream cake your way, and I said, I want you to try this cream cake. I said, there you go, try that. And you, and, and you ate it, and you said, it doesn't taste of anything. And you say, I can't even feel, I can't even feel the nice, I can't even feel a texture. It's, it's, there's no taste to it. Textures, well, I can't, can't, I can't, even, can't even feel a texture. And then when, it get, when you swallow it, you're then in a bit of trouble and have to run to the toilet. Your stomach's upset. And you come back to me and you say, hey, that cream cake stuff. I would put it to you in that moment. There's nothing wrong with the cream cake. There's probably something wrong with you. Something wrong with your taste buds, something wrong with your senses, something wrong with your tummy. That cream cake is sweet. It's good. And I'm, I'm not being mean here because I understand it. We're all made of the same stuff. I get it. But there's something in us in a kind of natural kind of way, and we'll talk about this one tomorrow, that just thinks, I don't get that God stuff. Or, just boring. Or, it just doesn't do it for me. Let me just say to you, Don't just therefore write off God. Begin to ask yourself some questions about yourself. Not in a condemning way, but in a way that will just help you to be honest and say, actually, where am I at? What do I really love and why? And what's really got my heart then? And is that a good thing? These should be days of reflection for us. Days of thinking things through. Days of really giving some thoughts so the Holy Spirit can work in our lives. So, So those are the pleasures... Now, here's the question. What's the pain? Final question. What's the pain in this state of humanity? What's the problem? Well, you would think the answer would be... Thanks again for the support, guys. Really appreciating the uh, wonderful... Thing. Listen, right. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no darkness. Creation has happened. It's all good. There's all this pleasure going on, okay? What's the problem? Wrong. Culture, right? So, it's a surprising situation. And I want to just drill into this for a couple of minutes because in Genesis 2, we read it earlier, verse, God's, God's done all the creation and he said it's good. And then at the end he said it's very good. And then in chapter 2, he says um, it's not good that the man should be alone. How about that? In the middle of perfect creation where Adam has this relationship with God and knows God, God this is, you've got to get this, God says to him, it's not good for the man to be alone. God's assessment is this. This man who has a relationship with me, is alone. I will say that again. It's a bold thing to say. This man who has a relationship with me, with God himself, there's something about him that's alone. And it's not good. You see, even in this, even in this creation where sin and darkness and death haven't come in yet, in this age of innocence, there's something whereby God says, hold on a minute, it's not good for the man to be alone. We need relationship. We need human relationship. We need it. Whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, you need human relationship. Anyone seen the film Into the Wild? 
It's quite, a, it's quite an idealistic, romantic film. It's about a young man who, he basically gets disillusioned. And understandably, he gets disillusioned because his parents, they're all about career and money and kind of, and it's all a bit corrupt and it's all a bit of a facade and hypocritical. And he just says, I've, I've had enough of this. And he, he basically sort of leaves everything. And he, 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 he sort of travels around America and that. And his aim is to get to Alaska uh, and just go into the wild. And, and it's, a, it's, very, it's a tragic ending. But it's a fascinating thing whereby when, when he... When he he, he meets all these people on the way, on his way to solitude, on his way to being by himself, where he can find himself. He meets all these people on the way. And then, and then he gets to Alaska, and he literally, you know, he, he, he literally just walks into the wild. And he, he, he actually, it's a true story, and he dies there. Young man, in his 20s. It's a true story. And, and, but he writes a journal. He keeps this journal. And he's li- he, he lives in this old, beat-up kind of um, minibus that he'd found dumped in the middle of Alaska. He lives in it. And he writes his journal. And what you notice is this. Here's what you realize. That as he's dying, because he eats something poisonous and he knows he's dying, and he's writing his journal, and he's starting to reflect, really, on, and in those moments, when you know your end is near, you, you will think differently. And what, what you see coming through in the writing is actually the most treasured thing of this whole journey to get to solitude with the people he met on the way. The, the, the relationships that were formed on the way. And I just, I, I, feel, I feel burdened in my heart to, to talk with you about this as I come up to, to the end of the message now. You cannot understand who you are outside of relationship. T- to leave your relationships to go and find yourself doesn't work. Because who you are is defined by your relationships. And we live in a culture that will tell us the very opposite. It would say that within yourself, you're something of an island and you can create an identity and work out who you are and then kind of, I guess, just present something to some people and that's who you are. But actually, it's a sad, sad tale because you were made for real and genuine connection and relationship with other people. And we know it. And very often, those of us who run away from it, it's because of fear or it's because because of negative things. It's it's not because of a positive thing. We can use phrases like, I'm going to find myself and make it sound romantic, but really it's driven out of fear or anxiety or something dark. And you know, I just feel the Lord today, he just wants wants us to to know about this story in Genesis. He looks on the man. He says, it's not good that he's alone. And then God provides for him. He provides for him. He lovingly fashions this wonderful companion for him and he gives her to him and the man is overjoyed this is the first song in the bible adam's words they 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 they, they rhyme it's a when he sees her he's inspired he's like wow you've god you've understood what i need relationally and you've and you've made it for me i just want you guys to know that even in this age of innocence there was this problem this pain that god worked on and it shows you how much god values human relationship which is why sometimes when I'm singing songs, sometimes I'm happy singing, Lord, you're all I need. And sometimes I say, Lord, you know, I'm not going to sing it because kind of you know that I need people too. And that's not dishonoring you. You know how you've designed us, that, that I do need people too. And that's okay. And that's not unspiritual. And then when we gather like this, we gather to him, but we also gather with one another. The Bible gives us a very, uh, a very stern warning in the book of Proverbs. I'll end this point with this proverb it's one of the most sobering bits of scripture it says this proverbs 18 verse 1 whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment 
Whoever isolates himself, really, it's because you're just after what you want and, and, and you will develop into a mindset where you break out against all sound judgment. And sometimes you meet people that are so paranoid and they won't listen to reason. And the reason why is because they've isolated themselves. They've stopped listening. They've stopped opening their heart to others. And I want to just urge you to begin pondering and reflecting on this over these days because God doesn't want to just work with you in that vertical way. He wants to gather community around you. He wants to bring people into your life. And um, there's, a, there's certain themes that will come through on this week. Relationally, certain things I'll talk about. I'm unpacked from my own story in the coming days and show you how God loves to provide people in our lives to bring healing to us. So just to conclude now, wrapping it up, and then we're going to respond. None of us are in this state of innocence. There is no human any longer in this state. Something happened, which we're going to look at tomorrow, which means from that point onwards, there has been none that have been born in that state of innocence other than Jesus. And we'll explain that as the mornings go on. But everyone now, is no one is born, you're not born innocent. In a sense, you are in a sense, obviously you're not born having done anything wrong, but we are born broken. We are born with a bent in us away from God. We are born, in, we're, not, we're no longer in that state. We'll unpack that as the days go on. Um, but don't despair. The King of glory has something even better for us than that. Wow. And we're going to unpack that. Yeah, well, you can clap. Great. I wasn't was expecting that, but thanks. I will say this. You're going to have to be willing to travel with me to some quite dark places over these, over these mornings if we're going to get to the glory. You're going to have to travel somewhere which is pretty deep and we're going to get into some stuff, but we've got to go there to get to the truth. And you will, not under, you will never understand yourself until you go there. You won't understand what goes on in your heart and what goes on in you unless you get to. So we've got to go there together and I'm trusting in faithfulness of God to bring us through. Without this journey, we'll never truly understand ourselves or our neighbor or the Christian gospel. So how do we respond today? How do we respond in this, in this moment? Here's what, I, here's what I want us to do. I want us to... I mean, there'll be people in this room. Some of you, you're Christians. You're, you're going for God. You, you, you know him and, and you love him. And this is just really helpful teaching to kind of establish biblical teaching in you but you you love it it's you, you, you're bought in and that's wonderful others there'll probably be another really big category of people you're just figuring out you're just figuring out where you're at you, you know and um and and this is just really helpful for you to be here because I'm, I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything i'm not gonna put my own spin on anything i'm gonna just tell you what the bible teaches and explain it let the word loose okay so you're in a safe place here if you're just thinking i just want to know what does god really say that's what i'm gonna do okay i'm not gonna share my opinions i you you, you there is no reason for you to listen to my opinions. My opinions are not worth more than anyone else's opinions. Okay? I'm not here to do that. But I'm going to just unpack the truth of God so you know what the Bible really says. Because I will be honest with you, a lot of people say the Bible says this, the Bible says that, and they're saying different things. So I'm going to just say, read it and show you. Show you. Let, let, let it speak for itself. So you're in a safe place to work out where you're at with God. And then there'll be others of you just here, and you just, you, you, you just know, no, I'm not, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer. I want you to know that you are welcome here. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the message of Christ. And, and um, it's a supernatural thing, becoming a Christian. It's a supernatural thing. You can't manufacture it. We have a role to play in the process, but we can't. It's something also that God is at work. It's mysterious, but you're in a place where God can do extraordinary supernatural things through his word. It just, it, it just brings life through his word. So it's very, very exciting. But what I'd love us to do is, is maybe the bank could come back up if that's okay. I want us to honor the creator. Okay, the Bible says that all things were made by him, but not only that, that all things hold together in him. So in that sense, 
the very fact you have breath, energy, consciousness, identity, personality, that is all being held together right now by him. And I think there's something wonderfully appropriate for us to just be able to honor him and bow the knee. There's a, there's a lovely scripture in the book of Revelation, and it, it says this. It, it, it gives us a picture of heaven and what's going on in heaven. In chapter 4, and it, and it, it says this. It says um, there's this song being sung by these um, amazing celestial creatures, and they, see this, they say, holy, holy, holy. That means totally different, utterly set apart is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then, and then later they sing another verse and it says this, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Here's why. For you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created. Brothers and sisters, we're creatures. There was a time where we were not. We have not always been. The breath that we have is a gift. We are held together by him. It's totally appropriate for us to have some time now to simply honor him, lift him up and say, Lord, there's none like you. Only you are God. So why don't we stand to our feet and, 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 and do that together. If you want to kneel, you can. If you want to kneel down, you can just do that. But let's meditate on the wonder of who he is and his wonderful plans and purposes in creation.